Wherever cancer is, Hancock Health will fight. In any part of you and in all corners of East Central Indiana. From Indianapolis to Greenfield to Knightstown to Rushville. From hospital rooms to family rooms, we fight. With technology and medicine. With care backed by the wisdom of Mayo Clinic. For you, for your family, and for your future in Rush County. We fight cancer here. HancockHealth.org slash cancer. An outpouring of support for the life of Deputy John Durham, 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Casey's out today. Jerry Lopez in for Casey. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let's head to the drivehubler.com hotline, joined by our good friend Rick Snyder, the head of Indy FOP. As yesterday, people all across the city of Indianapolis paid tribute to the life of former Marion County Sheriff's Deputy John Durham, who was tragically killed. Rick, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that outpouring of support across the city, across communities throughout Indianapolis for the life of a beloved sheriff's deputy. Well, it's a great reminder of the sacrifice that was made. It also places us uh, back into this situation where our officers uh, in the law enforcement community, not just in Indianapolis, but throughout Indiana and quite frankly from around the nation, are able to see that level of support from the community as they come out and wrap their arms around us. Uh, Again, I always point this out. These are opportunities for us to remember and reflect, but I think also recommit ourselves to this relationship that we must have amongst one another to help care for one another and build upon those relationships, uh, not just in times of tragedy, uh, but in all times when our officers are out there standing for our communities. When did the relationship, let's just specifically talk about Indianapolis because that's where this this took place. When did the relationship with the politicians and the law enforcement go sideways? Because the people have always, I think, as a collective, loved law enforcement, respected law enforcement. But man, there is just a terrible relationship between law enforcement and the politicians in many cities across the country, certainly here in Indianapolis. Why did that happen? Because it doesn't reflect where the people are. Well, that's a very key point that you make. I say this all the time. It's our officers and the residents in our community that are in the neighborhoods 24 hours a day. The politicians are not. It's our officers and the residents who have the most in common because they literally have the most skin in the game as it comes to violent crime and crime in general in our neighborhoods. The politicians do not. Yet it's the politicians that drive a wedge between the residents and the police, get them to point fingers at one another. And then the politicians use that to then leverage their own political agendas. It's pretty sick and twisted when you think about it, but yet we can prove it to you time and time again in major cities across this city, or across this country, the very specific and deliberate steps that are taken to do that. Now in Indianapolis, I can tell you when it occurred, right? It definitely occurred as we entered into 2020. But where the real shift occurred is where we had a change in prosecutor and went to a prosecutor who was more focused on telling you what crimes he would not prosecute versus the ones that he would. And when that happened, it started to really uh, uh, kneecap our officers in terms of relationships with the community because the community sees the officers who are the most visible representation of government. They're the ones that come out, they make the arrest, they intervene in the crime that's occurring in in the immediate aftermath. But then they also see that violent offender get cycled right back into the neighborhood because of a revolving door of a criminal justice system, because of a prosecutor who uh, advocates more for the criminals than for the victims. 
And when they see that violent offender come back into the neighborhood, who do you think they blame? They don't see the prosecutor. They don't see the courts. They see those uniformed officers, and they think they played a role in that. Well, that de- that debilitates trust and respect between residents and the police, and it helps breed this sentiment. But I think, again, when you see these tragic events occur, you see how, what residents really believe. You know, for uh, 2020, we spent the entire year hearing about what lives matter. But what I can tell you is that when three out of every four homicide victims in Indianapolis are our fellow black neighbors, the one thing that I can assure you of is uh, – Folks in the neighborhoods don't want less police. They want more police. And they would beg, and they still do beg us, don't leave, don't give up, don't stop doing what you're doing. I think by now in 2023, residents are starting to get hip to what the real situation is. They saw a in Indianapolis, we have a prosecutor where the entire law enforcement community voted no confidence in him. And then just recently, quite frankly, your mayor showed no confidence in this prosecutor. <clears throat> When he sought federal help from the federal prosecutor, specifically for crimes with guns, and then now you see that the mayor is spending taxpayer money to hire three more city prosecutors, city attorneys, to go and work with the federal prosecutor and not the local prosecutor. I think that clearly shows what is going on, and the mayor specifically said for the first time publicly he was doing it to bypass the quote-unquote revolving door of criminal justice in Marion County. Uh, Rick Snyder, our guest, head of the Indy FOP. We're talking a little bit about the uh, funeral yesterday of, of and, and remembering the life of Deputy uh, John Durham. Now, when you see so many people come out and talk about this guy, John Durham, and it was just overwhelming praise, not just for his role as an officer, but what a great human being he was. I hope, and it's, you know, obviously in a day like yesterday, it's terribly hard to find any good, but I hope it is a reminder to people of what good people these law enforcement officers are they're doing this the overwhelming percentage of them because they love their community they're invested in their community and they want a better safer place for themselves and their families to thrive yeah no doubt i mean you look at johnny durham 38 years of service to this community and uh you know he wasn't out on the streets uh fighting the fight out there he was he was standing guard behind the bars uh, to help keep our community safe. But he did that for nearly four decades. You look at this final 1042 call that we had yesterday during the funeral service, which is always such a poignant moment. But, you know, the service itself and hearing his sons talk and and uh, police leaders talk and all these other things, you really got the sense of a full life of service to his community, but a life of love to his family as well. And I say again, it's just a reminder that we have women and men who walk walk amongst us that literally walk out the call to love God, something, someone bigger than themselves, and to love others. You had such a fitting tribute with that case on, that lengthy escort to the Crown Hill Cemetery, followed by that uh, case on, the regular horse, the 21-gun salute, taps, and then the flag fold, and his final resting place. Now, listen, that's at the Heroes of Public Safety Memorial. Uh, A lot of people uh, don't think about it, but that actually came into existence back in 2002 following the tragic death of Marion County Deputy Jason Baker. His dad, Jerry Baker, helped lead the effort to get the Heroes of Public Safety Memorial established. And since that time, uh, so many of our fallen heroes have been laid to rest together in that area in such a nice, 
uh, fitting tribute and memorial at that site. So it's a great blessing to us that recently just got re um, furbished, redone, and expanded to help better benefit the families in time of need. And we're grateful to our Fraternal Order of Police, but also a, an organization that stays very quiet. But Dean Electric also helped make that possible alongside Crown Hill. So we're just very grateful for that. Rick Snyder, head of NDFOP, is our guest. couple minutes left with him. Um, there's a lot of questions right now, Rick, and I don't know when the best time to start asking them is. So we'll, we did a little bit yesterday. We'll do it today because if people want to know. You've got a lunatic, maniac, violent offender in the case of the guy who killed uh, Deputy Dor- Durham, and he's left one-on-one with you know kind of an older sheriff's deputy. Has there been an investigation into how this happens because that doesn't seem right to a lot of people. Well, you know, in the immediate aftermath of when this occurred, we were the ones that asked the first question, which is how did we get here? How did we get here in terms of having a violent offender such as the one that we had? Well, we learned that it wasn't by happenstance, but it was by deliberate uh, failures to act against by the prosecutor in the court system on prior crimes of violence in which you had multiple domestic violence charges, high-level felonies that were lowered or dismissed completely, uh, including a charge of strangulation, by the way, uh, which was dismissed on this suspect, and he served only one day in jail. He then went on to allegedly murder the same female involved in that, and that was the murder charge in which he was in jail uh, and interacting with Deputy Durham. I think now that the funeral services have been completed, I think the natural next question that's being asked is not just how did we get here, but how did this happen? Uh, there will There is an investigation that's being completed, a dual one, a criminal investigation by IMPD, but then an internal investigation by the Marion County Sheriff's Office. I think there's been some obvious questions that have been raised um, there was a local media report through Fox 59 that showed that there was a five-minute timeline from the time of attack to the time of CPR on Deputy Durham. I think, uh, well, I know we've heard several people publicly ask the question about staffing with the Marion County Sheriff's Office. They had raised the issue uh, before themselves. I think that they're going to have to secure the slates for the day, see how people were not only staffed but allocated. And I think we're going to have to take a good evaluation on a back-to-basics approach specifically for the Marion County Sheriff's Office, which, by the way, doesn't have a road patrol division anymore. That was lost in the merger back in 2006, 2007. And they simply focus on the courts and the jails. And uh, probably a need to look at, um, you know, how many uh, how many other responsibilities they have just taken on in lieu of what their basic requirements are. Uh, and uh, I think those are some questions that are going to have to be asked. Hey, but hey, here's the ahead, ultimate Rick. Ultimately, Rob, the biggest question is this, and it's the biggest point. You have a violent criminal offender who is 100% responsible for this attack. We have to ensure that a, that swift prosecution occurs on that front. This prosecutor has already said and thumped his chest that he's going to pursue the, the death penalty. But the point we make is that if you would thump your chest and stand up for victims on lower-level crimes, perhaps these higher-level offenses and loss of lives would not occur. Yeah, two, I mean, two people are dead basically because of this prosecutor. I mean, that may sound crass, but that, that's that's a fair assessment, right? Well, I mean, the the facts prove that out, and you and you've got uh, you you've got a you've, you always got to look at the outcomes, which is coincidental, Rob. 
That's what the politicians don't want us looking at. Remember, we called for a commission on criminal justice outcomes, and they unilaterally rejected such a thing. And you have a prosecutor now that's doing news stories. Instead of talking about fighting crime and violence, he's more focused on giving passes to the Boys and Girls Club for violent juvenile offenders. And instead of getting back to basics, he's focused on his love for basketball. It's insane, and it's like being in the twilight zone. Uh, Rick Snyder, we love you. We love our law enforcement here at Central Indiana. We were obviously just moved yesterday by the outpouring of support for for the life of Deputy John Durham, and we appreciate you taking a few moments to kind of give us the lay of the land and helping us remember him. Thank you, man. Keep praying for police, and also pray for this FOP critical incident memorial team who planned that entire funeral service and do that every time we have a fallen officer. 93 WIBC, it's Kendall and Casey Show. Corinne Jean-Pierre says Biden has, well, really no comment on cocaine being found in the White House. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kevins here. Casey out today. Jerry Lopez in for Casey. Find him on Twitter at Indy Spanglish. Jerry, what's going on, man? Not too much, man. Happy to be here. All right, so on a scale of 1 to 10... Look, I get that cocaine is prevalent in our society. I get that many people have probably at least dabbled in the cocaine at some point. But I think we raise the bar a little bit when we talk about finding cocaine in the White House. One to ten, scale of one to ten. Ten being most concerned, uh, code red, one not at all. Where are you in terms of concern on cocaine in the White House? So my issue is not with the cocaine specifically in the White House. It's the fact that what if it was anthrax and we can't determine where the heck this little package came from? That's my issue. It's not that somebody had blow there, some staffer or hunter, whoever we want to blame. (laughs) It's the fact that we found a powdery substance and we don't even know where it came from in the most secure building in the country. That's what's scary to me. Yeah, and then the follow-up with this is this sort of willy-nilly, nonchalant, oh, we gave it a good two weeks, and boy, gosh darn it, we just couldn't find anything, including fingerprints, which on one hand they say, well, it was in a it was in a tourist area or it was in a public area, and so some some just, uh, just uh, irresponsible, no-gooder, just waltzed in with cocaine. They were also wearing gloves. Right. They were also wearing gloves. And if you know you have coke, you're just going to walk into the White House. <laughs> that You're crazy, right? Like, that is nuts. If they want to know who, who who's this is, look for the person with allergies in the middle of July. <laughs> All right. So, Corinne Jean-Pierre, she's press secretary. She got asked about this yesterday, and she said no comment when asked about Biden's reaction on no one being arrested for bringing cocaine into his White House. First, following up on the cocaine, you said that it was very important to President Biden that the Secret Service get to the bottom of who brought it into the White House. So can you just talk about his reaction when he learned that the investigation did not end with a suspect? No, and I appreciate the question. Look, I'm just not going to um, opine on this, not going to get into specific on this. We believe the Secret Service did a thorough, thorough investigation. Uh, we've been briefed of the outcome. Uh, they shared the detail in a public statement, which I think is important for the American people to hear directly from the Secret Service who did the investigation. Look, I'm one of the things that they said in the public statement is hundreds of people come through this particular uh, area, and uh, and it's, so it's a heavily traveled working area. And so... Uh, that's what they were able to find doing this uh, thorough investigation.
congregation. And so, especially during that weekend, we think about Friday, that Saturday, and that Sunday, and also that, uh, I believe that Monday, uh, that weekend, I should just say, um, that uh, it was heavily traveled. So is the president satisfied with the explanation that someone was able to bring an illegal substance into the White House because there are hundreds of people who come here? What I will say is that the Secret Service did a thorough investigation. That's what we believe. They put out a public statement. I think that's important. Anything else detailing any details or any more information, I would reach out to the Secret Service. She's basically Kevin Bacon in Animal House saying all is well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's like men in black with the little forget me stick, right? Like, here, just take a look at this. This never happened. Uh, It is unbelievable. So let's, and I think this fuels everybody saying they know who did it and they don't want you to know who did it. Because if indeed it were some just random person who waltzed into the White House, would you say, look, we're absolutely, if for nothing else, to clear up the fact that everyone thinks it was your loser, drug-addicted son who brought the cocaine in, wouldn't you go to the ends of the earth to find that person? I agree with that that sentiment 100%. If it was anybody else other than than Hunter Biden, they would have put that out immediately. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Jerry Lopez in for Casey. Jerry, are you a UFO guy? Uh, I'm very interested. Do you believe, I mean, are you like Fox Mulder? Do you want to believe that UFOs exist? No, if UFOs exist, we're screwed. Yeah, All right. so Kevin McCarthy, and I am loathe to ever say anything nice about Kevin McCarthy, but he actually got asked about if UFOs do indeed exist, and uh, if the government, more importantly, has the government captured UFOs, and I want to take a break, but when we come back, his response to this was absolutely perfect. Uh, we'll talk about it. Coming up next, Kendall Casey Show, 93 WIBC. Kevin McCarthy's answer on if the government has captured UFOs is awesome. And you know how I hate to give any credit to Kevin McCarthy for anything. 93 WIBC. It is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kebs here. Casey's out today. Jerry Lopez in for Casey. Find him on Twitter at Indy Spanglish. Don't forget, you can also watch us on the YouTube. Just type in Kendall and Casey into your YouTube search bar and you will find our beautiful faces. Okay, uh, so before the break, I asked you, are you a believer that UFOs, aliens, whatever exists? I mean, I'm kind of on the fence, right? I think if they do, they don't want us to know because it would just create panic. And I think if they do, I don't want to know. Yeah, I've had a theory for years. My dad came up with this when I was a kid. It kind of made sense to me that they're time travelers. It could be time travelers. That's why they can't be seen. If they're seen, they disrupt the whatever. And uh, that that's why they do the tests or the whatever they're doing on us to learn about the past. Almost like when we find in archaeological digs it's maybe like their version of an archaeological dig i don't know it makes as much sense as anything else kevin mccarthy speaker of the house got asked about this because there's been of course all sorts of stuff about ufos lately and i thought actually his answer was pretty awesome look i will continue to see but um i think if we had found a ufo I think the Department of Defense would tell us because they probably want to request more money. So uh, I'd love to see whatever facts and information we have. And it's good. I'm, I'm very supportive of letting the American public see whatever we have. Where we go. Uh, a plus response. He's absolutely correct. Can you, Im- can you imagine? So we've talked about this before. 
I don't think it'd be like Independence Day, but maybe not far off about the, what would uh, the reaction from the world. It wouldn't just be a U.S. thing wherever it was found. Right. But the reaction would be from the world if indeed a UFO was ever actually located. But if they can show up here, we have no chance. Oh, no, we're done. It would be like Independence yeah, Day. Yeah, there's nothing up. we can do. Can you imagine, let's picture a world where they show up and it is Biden who is the one to greet them. Right. Well, it would be like Mars Attack. <laughs> right. Just hope it starts the same way. Oh, man. It is the Kendall and Casey show. Okay, so this clip, it is many, many years old because this person has been passed away, deceased for many, many years now. But it is making the rounds on the Internet again. And I saw this, and I thought this is absolutely perfect. And it is the late, great Antonin Scalia, maybe the greatest legal mind to ever sit on the United States Supreme Court, and that is really saying something. And he was testifying in front of uh, Congress about the role of judges and the role they play in regards to the Constitution. And I want to play this for everybody because he 100% accurately predicted what would happen in this country and it is totally happening right now in front of us go i think it's even a little more fundamental than the one that uh, uh, stephen has just uh, put forward i i asked them what do you think is the reason that america is such a free country what is it in in our constitution that 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 makes us what we are And I guarantee you that the response I will get, and you will get this from almost any American, including the woman that he was talking to at the supermarket, the answer would be freedom of speech, freedom of the press, no unreasonable searches and seizures, no quartering of troops in hope, those marvelous provisions of the Bill of Rights. But then I tell them, if if you think that a Bill of Rights is what sets us apart, you're crazy. Every banana republic in the world has a Bill of Rights. Every president for life has a Bill of Rights. <laughs> the Bill of Rights of the, of the former evil empire, the Union of Soviet Socialist Republics, was much better than ours. I mean it literally. It was much better. We guarantee freedom of speech and of the press. Big deal. They guaranteed freedom of the speech, of the press, of street demonstrations and protests, and anyone who is, who is caught trying to suppress criticism of the government will be called to account. Whoa, that that is wonderful stuff. Of course, just words on paper, what, what our framers would have called a parchment guarantee. And the reason is that the real constitution of the Soviet Union, you think of the word constitution, it doesn't mean a bill, it means structure. Say a person has a sound constitution, has a sound structure. The real constitution of the Soviet Union, which is what our framers debated that, that, that whole summer in Philadelphia in 1787. They didn't talk about the Bill of Rights. That was an afterthought, wasn't it? That constitution of the Soviet Union did not prevent the centralization of power in one person or in one party. And when that happens, the game is over. The Bill of Rights is just what our framers would call a parchment guarantee. I thought that was so great. And when you look at what's going on in this country right now, Jerry, at all levels, by the way, Jerry Lopez in for Casey today, uh, we are seeing this unfold in real time. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. I was pretty astounding to to hear him say that. I thought it was spot on. 
And uh, yeah, we are seeing it. We're seeing just uh, the politicalization of uh, of even the DOJ. Just different arms of 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 our government are are literally republic, you know, conservative or liberal, and it's really sad. When you see the president of the United States, and we've seen this multiple times with Biden, I think the most glaring one was when he tried to get everyone fired who wouldn't get the vaccine. And he comes out and he admits, whether he knew he admitted it or not, or remembers he admitted it or not, and goes, yeah, this uh, this probably, you know, it's not going to hold up, but uh, we're going to give it a shot and see what we come up with. That's not what this country's supposed to be about, right? You're not supposed to do things that you admit that you know are blatantly unconstitutional and are not going to pass muster. You put your hand on the Bible and swear to uphold and defend the Constitution of the United States. It's your oath of office. And we have seen, especially post-COVID, right, an incredible, rapid, I mean, you see it from governors, you've seen it here in the state of Indiana, where they just go, we're going to do whatever we want and it's your job to try and stop us. Yeah, and I think it, it actually probably goes back to 9-11, right? Oh, with, that's great. Great Department point. Department of Homeland Security, great pa- point. Patriot Act, all this whole thing. And, and and the Patriot Act really was just used to catch American drug dealers. It, we didn't really use it to catch too many terrorists. Yeah, you know? So we use it to, to spy on your calls, to to look at your <laughs> funds, to to do all this stuff. Now we want to make sure you're not sending your friend more than $600 on Venmo. <laughs> It's it's just nuts and and it's just like like being a being with a bow constrictor right it's like there our government's constricting us more and more and more the same party that says my body my choice mandates vaccines to the other side right man that's a phenomenal point and you're right and it, to bring it back to covid I remember sitting in the seat Kevin is sitting in now when the when the chicks on the right had their show and we had a lot of very spirited conversations about this and I said don't give them a day. You can't give them 15 days. Don't give them a day because it will never stop. And you're absolutely right, Jerry, that it began long before that. When you think about the government's ability to weaponize, because in many ways, 9-11 and COVID and the government response to it was identical in the sense of they weaponized people's fear and the unknown against them. And we're doing this to help you. Yeah, yeah, great right? point. We're doing this to help you. It's not, we don't want to do this. We're doing this to help you. I mean, we take our shoes off. One guy gets caught, and now everybody's <laughs> taking off their shoes at the, you know, and, and it's, as they take this stuff away, they don't give it back. Yeah. Like, it's not like, okay, we're not going to do that again. I, I would not be surprised if, I mean, I hope it doesn't happen, but, you know, the the pessimist in me says during election time they're going to find a way to try to try to keep people at home, to push mail in balloting, to do to push all these things, and then afterwards, you know, pe- people will just comply. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, by the way, I told Jerry when he got here today, I said, yeah, you know, I put this template together, but we mostly just throw like half of it out by the time we get going in our show. I want to uh, have a conversation with you because I think you're really interesting because you filled in with Hammer last week. And a lot of people, you were new to our audience, were saying, you know, who is this guy? Where did he come from? I think you're super interesting because you're doing what we are encouraging a lot of people to do, which is you weren't a deep political person. You hadn't been in public office. You hadn't served on a bunch of boards and commissions. You're just a dude who decided to get involved and you're having an influence. And so I'd like to talk with you a little bit about that because I think we hear from our audience a lot of the time, like, what should I do? Where does it begin? How do I start making a difference? And I think in the short period of time where you've gone from just a guy who was interested in politics to now you're you're here, I'd like to do that and maybe let our audience know you a little bit better when we come back. Sounds good. All right, we'll do it. It's Kendall Casey Show. I'm Rob Jerry Lopez in for Casey, 93 WIBC. 
Hey guys, it's Rob. Did you know 96% of Americans, 96% forfeit $111,000 in social security income? It's true. Learn how you could avoid this with a free social security analysis from Bill Demery, your retirement guy in Indy. Casey and I, we trust Bill. We're clients of his and he knows social security like the back of his hand. This free analysis pinpoints exactly when you should file for Social Security while considering your taxes, spousal benefits, and Medicare premiums. If you've saved at least $200,000 for retirement and have not filed for Social Security, schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. Save yourself a ton of time and don't lose a dime in Social Security income. Schedule your free analysis by calling 317-932-9912. Trump wants more presidential power if he's, would it be reelected? Elected? How does that work? If you've been elected and then not elected and get elected again, is that reelected? I don't know. If he's president again, he wants more presidential power, and that should scare the hell out of everyone. 93 WIBC, it is the Kendall and Casey Show. I'm Rob Kevs here. Casey out today, Jerry Lopez. You can find him on Twitter, at Indy Spanglish. In for Casey. All right, so uh, New York Times has a report saying that Trump wants to put a whole bunch of independent agencies under the president including the fcc and the federal trade commission if he is elected president and look the president has great control over these already based on that he points the commissioners etc however he's saying no 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 i want direct control over that and we just did a segment jerry about with anton the late great anton scalia talking about the dangers of centralized power and here's more of it and man People give Trump a pass on everything. This is another example of going, if you're a conservative or a liberty person, you shouldn't want this. Yeah, this is like Shades of Castro, right, in Cuba, where he comes in, he's like, hey, let me take care of all you guys. I'm in charge. I'm in control. And then you you hope that you get a good guy, but once that organization's been realigned, you're kind of at the mercy of whoever's in charge. Yeah. And if the people elect some Marxist socialist who now runs the FCC, who runs everything else, we're in for a world of hurt. You know, keeping those things separate, I think, is what is our best shot, right? So my dad and I were having this conversation last night. And I have it with our audience quite a bit. And I'll let you weigh in on it because you're kind of an independent voice here. My perplexity with Trump is that unlike any other politician, he does things and gets a free pass. Not only gets a free pass, he gets an excuse when if it were anyone else, we would just destroy them. And I think the best example of this is the behavior during covid the supporting of the lockdowns, the support of mandatory masking, the you know the supporting of the the shot that's been proven widely ineffective. The uh, the worst part of all of it was the magical money printing factory that the federal government went on. I mean, it's an endless group of of, of things with Trump, and. Yet when you bring these things up, people go, no, 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 you're the bad guy for bringing these up. And now I'm not talking about the regular people. I'm talking about the only Trump people. And I'm curious to get your perspective on that. Why Trump, unlike any other politician, I mean, if this were Jeb Bush, we'd kill him, right? right? right. But with Trump, we just go, no, it wasn't his fault and you're a bad guy for bringing it up. Why is that? Yeah, I think people just, just 
They looked at him like, and I was a Trump guy. So just for for straight, not never Trumper, not at all. But also, I'm a like, I want to win the next election guy now, right? So, um, welcome to the team. Yeah, I think I think a lot of people enjoyed having what they felt like was a guy willing to say what a lot of us think. Right. So they didn't care about all that other stuff. It's the fact that he was saying, you know, crooked Hillary and lock her up. And he was kind of like like our political goon, you know, (laughs) and we like that. Right. But but when it gets down to policy and stuff, there's a lot of stuff that that people didn't like. Is that because we live in a uh, the 24 seven soundbite culture now? Where the and this isn't true in all sorts of uh, pockets of society, where the actual details don't matter to anyone anymore. Yeah, and even if they gave them to you, you forget hearing about fifteen minutes when the next right. next story comes out. Because I thought, and my dad and I were talking about this, that I thought when Ron DeSantis got in, I said people are going to look at this guy and they're going to see what he did in Florida, and they're going to just fall in love with the guy and go, man, the country should be like Florida, and. We thank Trump for his time, and here's the new guy, and it's all the Trump stuff, but better and more reliable, but without all the baggage. And that simply has not happened. Yeah. I mean, I've got to just freely admit that. Not only has DeSantis not really made any inroads, he's maybe moved backwards, and that just blows my mind. So it's really frustrating, right? Because I think I think conservatives, I, once again, I'm a Trump guy, but I think that we need to realize that if he is our candidate, there is a segment of the population that will show up to just vote against him. They don't care. They don't care who the president is. It's just not going to be Donald Trump. Right. And I think that if it's Vivek or if it's DeSantis on the ballot, those people aren't even going to show up to vote for Biden. Right. Right. So I think Trump needs to be the kingmaker in the background. He needs to be the rights George Soros. Right. right? But like he does not need to be out there because he's too polarizing. Uh, it's the Kittle Casey show. I'm Rob. Casey's out today. Jerry Lopez in for Casey. I want to talk about you for a second because I think you're an interesting guy and you're doing the things that we talk about people needing to do and we get all the time uh, emails the phone calls from the listeners on social media hey i want to do more i want to be involved i want to you know just start being a part of the solution you've kind of done that you're new to our audience last week was your first week on you're on with hammer you're on with us today Tell me a little bit about how you got involved because it wasn't that long ago you were just some guy working a job. Yeah. I mean yeah. you still work a job obviously yeah. but but tell tell us real quick about your story cuz I think it's really interesting. So my uh, my parents are from Cuba. I'm first generation American. Uh, they came over on the Mario boat lift in the 80s. Wow. Got sponsored by a Catholic church out of Indianapolis and uh, they moved here in the 80s and I was born in 81 at Wishard. Wow. So I was the only Latino I knew growing up talking about southwest side of Indianapolis. So Harding Street. Yeah. I think I grew up on Howard Street. Um, so it was just whites, blacks, and me, right? But nobody had any money, so we didn't really know. I didn't know we were poor. I didn't, you know, I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, but despite the fact that that my parents or my mom couldn't speak English, like she was very strict when it came to school, when it came to all this stuff, right? She never let me use any excuses to to not to not achieve things. Because um, they appreciated what you had. Yeah, because we just came from a place yeah. where this was not even a possibility. Right. Like, so I joined the service uh, because naturally, you know, my mom didn't know anything about how to do the college thing. We yeah. didn't save for school. We didn't do any of that. So I joined the service. I always liked FBI, CIA. So I became a counterterrorism analyst. And I think that's what started my love for news. Yeah. Right. Like I used to call it a occupational hazard. We just, you can't, <laughs> you just can't unplug from the news. Right. 
right? Um, and that has just always been a love of mine, right? And and then you get into to America where we are now, where it's like I take a step back and I'm like, you know, I say trash bags come in all races. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter, <laughs> it doesn't matter what your race is, right? But but now we're at a spot where I think the media has done a really good job of pushing racism to the forefront, and and much like the clips you talk about. Um, people just read the headlines. They're not out talking to their neighbors. And, and over the past couple of years, you've kind of said, I've got to start getting more involved. You come yeah. very active on social media. You've taken this uh, Indian Republican Party diversity series, which I yep. want to talk about a, a little bit later because I think that's interesting. And you've gotten off the sidelines. And it's my understanding, you literally just called over into here and said, I want to be on. I can do this. Yeah. Let me, I need a voice here. Yeah. And you pestered them until they gave you the opportunity. And last week with Hammer, you knocked it out of the park. So I uh, I met with uh, Tony Kinnett. Yeah. I came on his show a couple times when he was hosting. And, and uh, that's where it started. And you got about 10 seconds here, but yep. people should do what you do. They should get involved. They shouldn't take no for an answer and keep going. Yep. It's awesome. All right, Siri Lopez in for Casey Kemp's here. I'm Robin Skinner, Casey Show, 93 WIBC.